Than your dick. Now that I have your attention, my name is Casey and this is the Unbenched Podcast. For too long, women have been kept on the sidelines in the sports world, but not the same sideline our male reporter counterparts get to work from. We've been transferred to a different stadium and been told to sit down. No longer will women accept being spoken to about games as if we pick our teams based on jersey colors. No longer will women be kept out of the press box because we don't have the same pro caliber experience as the guys. No longer will women accept being benched. Every episode, I sit down with a woman who has broken the glass ceiling to make it in the sport media world. We'll discuss her story as I try to get a sense of what it was like for them to get to where they wanted to be. Join me as we have the important conversations and continue to fight the uphill battle to change the culture of sport media. And join us as we continue to speak sports like a girl. I got to sit down with one of the most recognizable women in the sports reporting industry, Tara Sloan, who you may know as the host of Rogers Hometown Hockey and her new show, Top of Her Game, which is all about women in sports. So we got to have an incredible, candid conversation about why she got into a space that is so notoriously male-centric, how she continues to find success, and the story behind her new show, Top of Her Game. I am so humbled to have had the chance to chat with her, and I hope you guys like hanging out with us. I just want to thank you so, so much for agreeing to do this. Um, and I think a lot of people can learn from your story. So I'm very excited to be able to feature it on the podcast. So the first question is, what made you want to go into an industry that is so notoriously male-centric? <laughs> um, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's funny. I, I've, I mean, I've asked myself that a number of times because... My, my first career was also very um, dominated by men. And that was as a singer in a rock band, you know, the music industry is, is pretty relentlessly male dominated, particularly in that genre of music. Um, so, you know, I think it's probably a deeper psychological question when you ask <laughs> why I continue to put myself in these spaces I know that, you know, even when I was young, like I can remember grade five and grade six, uh, always being the girl that kind of spoke up for other girls. And and I always felt compelled to talk about equality and, and equity. So, you know, I think maybe there's just part of me that has felt like I need to, to invade those spaces in order to to change them. Um, but I don't know. I, I can't tell you what's at the, the root of it other than, you know, music and hockey are both things that I, I love. And I've, I've just, I've been lucky and uh, to, enough to find myself there. I like how that becomes like a deeper question for therapy. <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? A hundred percent. Yep. I ask myself that daily sometimes on Twitter. <laughs> it's like, why am I doing this again? So I know you had like a little bit more of a non-conventional path into the industry. I mean, you briefly touched on it with um, your time in the rock music scene. But what was it like for you breaking into the industry of sports reporting for the first time? Well, I, I like to preface this by saying I was very fortunate. You know, I was very fortunate to make, um, not a seamless, but, an, a, you know, a, a fairly easy jump from music into the world of broadcasting. 
And I was very intentional about putting myself into the sports broadcasting world. So once I got into TV in general, I started to steer myself towards sports. Um, but I would say I was pretty sheepish at the beginning. You know, I think that there is, particularly for women, there are a lot of people who want to challenge your knowledge. Like, why are you here? Why do you even think you could be here? And so I think it's just a matter of, A, knowing your stuff, like really being prepared and never letting, you know, giving anybody an excuse to say you weren't ready or weren't prepared enough. Being willing to learn and being willing to learn from your mistakes and asking questions and understanding who your allies are and making use of them. I mean, I think there were a lot of people along the way. So, so many more allies than detractors. And so it's, you know, just um, taking people up on their offer. Like, hey, do you, like my first gigs at First Sportsnet were junior hockey and curling. And so there were you know, some great people on those crews who are super helpful. And then also just sort of tuning out the noise, you know, just like everybody has to start somewhere. Uh, I know my stuff as well as anybody else and I can do this. You think as women, we have to be more prepared than men as we head into, like just in terms of knowing facts, heading into different spaces? I would love to say no. I would also I, love to say yeah, no. <laughs> but But I can't. I mean, unfortunately... And I had a great conversation to this end with Sarah Spain when she was on my show. I mean, we're, we're held to different standards. We just are. And that side of the playing field has not leveled itself yet. So, you know, if, I don't know, it, I'll use Ron as an example. Ron McLean is my co-host. Like, if Ron gets a name wrong, like, he'll hear about it on Twitter for a little while. If I get a name wrong, it's like a, an indictment against my hockey knowledge, right? So it's... It's just they hold very different weights. Um, not that Ron gets much wrong. He doesn't. But <laughs> uh, So, yeah, unfortunately, you know, we may have to work that much harder, you know. And that's not – I don't think that's reserved for women. That's reserved also for people of color and other, other groups that are not um, – I say this in quotes, like traditionally in the sports space. Basically, if you're not a white man, you're held to a different standard, basically. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what that boils down to. Yeah. Um, do you remember your first experience with sexism in the field? I know you touched like you still get it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think oh, yeah. all women get it on Twitter <laughs> on like a daily, hourly, minutely basis. But what was that first one like for you? I remember, you know... <sighs> I mean, sexism can be, it can come in all different forms. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be overt. And often it's subtle and painful. Um, I think one of the most sort of glaring events to me was being part of a conversation uh, at a restaurant after a hometown hockey broadcast. So this obviously isn't early. And of course, there are more situations early where I think people question my knowledge or question my motivation. But this was like, we had a conversation with the owner of an NHL team. And I was sitting with some of my male colleagues. uh, And this person didn't look at me once. He literally spoke past me the whole time and I think even if if he did talk to me it was very much like sort of a women directed question you know something like not sports related which is what they were talking about and I eventually just got up and left the table I mean 
it, again, it was sort of subtle, but it's like being left out of the conversation is as much a form of sexism as him saying something overt. Yeah. And that one really was, it felt really ugly to me. I mean, just hearing that, like, that's so shocking because from where I'm sitting as a student, you are one of like the most foremost people in hockey broadcasting in Canada. So for someone to speak past you is mm. is shocking. I think that there's just an assumption that like, yeah, I can do that. I can talk to, you know, such and such an, an alumnus, but I, I won't be interested even in the business of hockey. Um, and that's, that is sexism for sure. That's yeah. Just, just, yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you think that that would be the case in any sport? Or do you think hockey in particular um, has some ground to make up? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. It's, I, it's, probably, it's probably an issue in any sport. Uh, you know, I mean, I know what I see in terms of like, I, I do think that the NHL is behind in a lot of respects in terms of uh, the hiring of women, the acknowledgement of women. Um, you know, I think the NBA leads leads the pack uh, in terms of like, well, and we're like, I'm lucky enough to live in a city where there are 16 women, you know, working in the Raptors organization, yeah. 16 women plus. Um, so I think hockey's generally behind, but yeah, I, I couldn't tell you about the, the cultures necessarily of the other sports. Yeah. Were you uh, at all surprised that it was the MLB hiring the first female GM and not the NBA, just given kind of the trends we've seen in the different major sports kind of realms of activism? I think we can agree that no one's mm -hmm. surprised it wasn't the NHL and it wasn't the NFL, <laughs> um, but between no. the other two. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. I guess, yeah, you, I kind of do think is, of the NBA as – I don't want to say the gold standard because I don't think anybody's doing like an A plus job, but uh, the NBA definitely has been leading the way. But again, if you sort of look at it, I mean, Kim Ng, as it was pointed out so many times on social media, like there are so many young, again, white men who were given the, the opportunity to take on the, the GM job. Um, with far far less experience than Kimming. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fa I'm it's fantastic news. Yeah. No, I mean baseball is you know slowly but surely also it's happening in baseball as well. Yeah. No, for sure. I think it's a consensus based on anyone who really understands sports that she's overqualified. Exactly. Um, especially yeah. when you compare her to some of those young hotshot GMs that run teams into ground and don't yeah. jobs but that's a different podcast episode for right. that topic um so what would you tell little girls who want to get to where you are whether that's in sports or really just want to get to the pinnacle of a male-dominated field I would say that there are always going to be people who make themselves feel better by trying to tear you down and by making you feel worse um and, you know, when it comes to sexism, it's, it's always men or boys trying to make you feel like you're less than. And so I think, first of all, you have to have a fundamental confidence and know that that often says much more about them than it does about you, that it's not true, that there are so many uh, 
amazing examples of girls and women who have shattered glass ceilings or who are, you know, taking their, their seats at the table. Uh, and sometimes you have to also, you know, be, be work as hard as you can. So you can also make the arguments you need to make for yourself. I, I think that, um, it's good to have, you know, some educated, um, arguments in your back pocket, but sometimes you also just have to tune out the noise, you know, but I think when people tell you not to, to dream big, it's because there's something wrong with them, <laughs> not because there's something wrong with you, you know, it's, um, so I think just, if you have to just ignore them, do that. Do you think social media at all plays a role in kind of how women are seen in the sports world? Since it gives like an echo chamber to those guys mm. who, after Sarah Fuller made her kick, said that, oh, she only kicked it 15 yards, even though it was a designed pooch play. Right. And if you can't see that, then don't talk about football. But again, different podcast. Um, so yeah, what yeah. do you think the ramifications of social media are? in this space you know I, I i often wonder that because it is it is definitely designed to like you say be an echo chamber so it's sort of you know those who want their views um, amplified and um, justified will be able to find their audience um, on the other hand i think that there's just so much more visibility right like we know you know the, the Sarah Fuller thing became a huge thing um, because of social media and we all know that Kendall Quinn Schofield was working for Chicago because of social media and we becoming thing was huge because of social media so I think like I would like to think that the positives um, will ultimately overcome and, and outweigh the, the negatives you know at, at a certain point I just I do think I, I do think that those detractors are are a minority but they're just loud <laughs> a very very <laughs> they're loud just minority loud. but yeah. I mean you know if you wanted if you I, obviously I have no science to back this up but <laughs> when you know when anytime I get these negative comments about why women sports aren't important or viable or interesting um, you know, it's from Jonah one, two, seven, five, four, who has, you know, 40 followers maximum. So if you look at who is, is talking like this, who is, who, where these messages are coming from, um, I don't think there's a lot of influence there, but they are allowed. Yeah. Which makes it a very precarious space to grow up in, I find, especially, mm growing up very conscious of this bias and seeing how it can play out. Um, I mean, I think for a lot of us, I speak for a lot of women in my program and a lot of women who work on the site with me, but I think it just kind of adds fuel to the fire a little bit like, okay, yeah, you can think that, but watch what we're going to go do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so would you say on social media, sometimes it's probably just best to ignore them or would you advocate for like the occasional clap back if someone's coming for your credibility? Well, I mean, I assume you say you asked me this knowing what I'm going to say, which is <laughs> I and I often get told or it's suggested to me that I should ignore them and I ignore 99% of the trolls out there. You know, I will occasionally make an example of someone in a way where I feel like it can be used to my advantage or I can kind of rally the troops behind me. Um, so it's, it's, again, it's very intentional. I don't, 
just get into troll Twitter wars uh, indiscriminately. Yeah. You have more important things to be doing. Like yeah. Being one of the best hockey reporters in the country. Oh, but, you know, minor, you. <laughs> minor detail, minor detail. Well, I appreciate that. But, yeah, you have to be careful. And it's, you know, it, it can become such a toxic space. In this oh, so, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, how do you feel knowing you're an inspiration for our generation who want to work in sports? Well, I mean, to be honest, I, I feel a couple of things. I mean, I'm, I'm honored. Um, and it gives you know, sort of bolsters what I do in terms of making me feel like there's a purpose and it really, it helps me. Um, and then I have like imposter syndrome and I think, well, what do you mean? Like, you know, who am I? Um, but I mean, mostly I'm just, I feel very, very honored. So do you think that we've reached a turning point around the stereotypes in the sports field or have we kind of just started the journey of getting to where we need to be? Uh, I think it's, I think we're in it. <laughs> I, I don't think we're at the tipping point, unfortunately. You know, I do, obviously, some big things are happening. Um, but not, not big enough. You know, I think you're on the journey until the conversation doesn't need to be had anymore. You know, until there are enough female GMs in any league to just normalize it unless there are enough women producing content and on, you know, doing play-by-play -play and doing color. So, you know, until we're not having the conversation anymore, I'm wondering if we're at the tipping point, then we're not at the tipping point. Fair enough. <laughs> so that being said, what do you think the next critical step is to achieve gender equity in this industry that has so historically been very not gender equitable? Well, I mean, I do think we're closing in on some things. You know, I I think that there was already some momentum around this before the pandemic started, but the movement um, towards racial and social justice uh, that has happened over the last nine months is going to change everything. There are elements of that that I think will unfortunately be forgotten <laughs> are already being forgotten. Um, but I do think that there, there is an understanding of responsibility that I am seeing. I can, I can tell you that I see that at my place of work. And I, I think I see that at other bigger broadcasters. Um, so that's a start. And, but now it's also, okay, like, how do we, you know, there are some great products out there that need amplification. Like, who's going to step up and say, okay, we're going to broadcast these National Women's Soccer League games. We're going to broadcast these WNBA games. Um, I, who's going to broadcast the Dream Gap Tour for the PWHPA? Um, when is Hockey Canada going to make the women's under 18s a priority? Or Actually, it's not Hockey Canada. It's the IIHF the women's under 18 is a priority like the world juniors. Um, so there's all of these things that sort of that need to happen um, that are some, some leaps. And I just hope that because of the momentum that's happened, that there are, there are going to be some, some people that are just going to just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, but I, uh, I I'd like to see some big moves <laughs> soon. Yeah. I'd like to see some big moves. Absolutely. Um, 
Do you think that a possible precursor to those big moves would be getting women into the rooms where those moves are being made? Or do you think those moves have to be made to get women into those rooms? Uh, I think it's both. I do think it's both. But 100%. I mean, those decisions are so much more likely if you have women uh, as decision makers. Absolutely. Um, So you briefly touched on it before, but I did want to, in closing, go over your not-so-new-anymore show, Top of Her Game, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of what was the, like, brain baby behind that, and how did that come to be? Well, it's pretty simple. I mean, I I think that there are many of us at Sportsnet who have been feeling like women are underrepresented on the the sports media landscape and continue to be. Um, And it honestly took a pandemic, you know, it took the absence of, of live sports and the need for new content to create room for something like this to happen. And I think what happened when we said, okay, like how we're, we need to amplify women's stories. We need to tell them to begin with. Um, You know, I think that there's an understanding now that it's just the tip of the iceberg and there's now a a sort of social responsibility to continue these conversations. So yeah, it's been six months already and I'm, I'm really grateful. And for me, it's been just really nice to have something to focus my passion on. And I hope it, you know, continues in whatever form it will. I I don't know, but uh, I hope it becomes something bigger and, and better than what it is already. Is there anything that you can say that you've learned through the process of doing that show? I mean, you're very established, so the idea of, like, still learning might be, like, a little bit different, not to bring you back to university. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, f- I feel like we're all still learning, you know, and if we, if we think we're done, then that's, that's the kiss of death, Is particularly in, in this business, you know. I think you have to stay curious your whole career. Um, you know, I, I think... Everybody that I talk to looks back at their life and journey in in the same way and kind of wishes that they had had more self-confidence, wishes that they had tuned out the naysayers, and also, you know, wished that they had um, appreciated their, their journey as they embarked on it. So I always am very interested to... I always leave guests with the same question, which is what is your message to your younger self? And um, I'm always really interested in that, but that those are kind of some of the main points that, that people seem to touch on just really appreciating the journey and, and believing in, in themselves and not taking their cues from, from anybody else. Um, that's incredible. So in closing, just because you've touched on confidence a lot, and I think that is something that is, so key in going into this industry and it's something that I've learned um, I need to work on going into this industry mm-hmm. but what would you tell um, kind of the next gen the the next lineup what's the biggest key to building your confidence well I think preparation is key you know like I think it's it's it, it's a cycle right like so if I'm doing an interview I'm the, the better prepared I am, the better my conversation is going to be. And the better my conversation is going to be, then the m- 
better I'm going to be the next time and the more confident I'm going to be in having a conversation the next time. So it's just, that's something that builds on itself. And it really does start with preparation. And I mean, it's not just intellectual preparation. It really is. So you can be armed with lots of information so you can have a looser conversation. It's like learn the rules so you can forget them. Right. One of those sort of old cliches. Um, But I had, you know, I had a conversation with a 15 year old, budding sports reporter a little while ago. And I told her, I I gave her some advice that had been given to me by a sports psychologist. And we were talking about confidence building. And he said to me, sometimes you actually have to just be intentional about um, drowning out your negative voice. And so sometimes, and it's a practice, like these things are actually like habitual things you have to ingraining yourself and you create kind of new wiring in your brain and so if you constantly have this voice that's telling you you can't even if you don't believe it you got to yell at yourself in all caps and and just sort of make a bit of a concerted effort to drown out the noise of of your your negative self so i do think that there is actually some some practice i think different mindfulness disciplines are helpful uh, in understanding like how to work with negative thoughts and emotions, but just make sure that your positive voice is is louder than your negative voice, and that'll that'll be really helpful. Awesome. Well, on that note, thank you so so much again for doing this, um, and I think we all have a lot to learn from you, both male and female. <laughs> well, thank you, and it's great to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Don't forget to follow Unbenched on all of our social media channels. Hit up our website and come find me on my personal socials. I'm Casey with two Y's Dobson. And don't forget that Unbenched is Unbenched with an underscore. 